Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Rogers. I have a truly and genuinely exciting announcement to make today. Parkinson's Recovery sponsors annual Parkinson's Recovery summits each and every year. The first summit was held in Vancouver, the second in Cincinnati just this last summer, and the third annual summit will be convened in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. I have not yet, until today, actually announced the specifics of what's going to happen at the Santa Fe Summit, but I am tickled pink to be able to report to all of you today that we now have posted details on all of the amazing individuals who will be presenting workshops at the Santa Fe Summit in uh, February of 2013. It's a remarkable list of individuals. Most of those individuals who are listed have been former guests on my radio show at one time or another over the past four years. The presenters are, in fact, the people who have figured out what it really takes to get a reversal of the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. About half the presenters are persons who've had symptoms of Parkinson's and who figured out ways to reverse those symptoms. About the other half of the presenters are healthcare providers with amazing backgrounds who focus their attention and energies on helping individuals with these neurological challenges that, again, are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Now, I know many of you who have not actually even heard about the summits are probably thinking, oh, goodness, Santa Fe, hmm, I live in Michigan or I live in New York. That's far too far for me to actually go. I need to explain to everyone that our summits convene together everyone who is truly making a difference in the lives of people with Parkinson's, everyone who has something to offer that helps people feel a great deal better. For that reason... We draw presenters from across the globe, and we also draw participants from across the globe. The reality is very few of the participants typically actually are even locally based. Just by way of information, the presenters come from the following locations, Hawaii, California, Oregon, Washington, Kentucky, Tennessee, New York, Colorado, Ohio, Mississippi, New Mexico, Illinois, Arizona, Florida, Ontario, Canada. Now, today is actually the first day you'll see a listing of the specifics of the workshops. What's going to be discussed in each of the 18 amazing workshops is now available. To visit that summit website, go to the main website for Parkinson's Recovery. That's easy to remember. It's www.thewordparkinson's, joined together with the word recovery.com, dot com. So, www.p A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.com. All you have to remember is Parkinson's Recovery and that most main websites have .com at the end. And you'll see there a link to the Summit website. Click on that link and it will take you to an extensive listing of the specifics of everything that will be happening at the Summit in February. 
Now, this really is the first day that we've listed the specifics, but I want everybody to know that we have an amazing 40 individuals who've actually already signed up to attend and participate in the summit who had no earthly idea who was going to be present offering workshops and treatments and consultations. The participants who've already signed up, not even knowing what was going to happen, come from the states of California, Oklahoma, Illinois, Oregon, Florida, Colorado, Kentucky, New Mexico, Michigan, Arizona, New Hampshire, Washington, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Ireland. If you are then thinking, hmm, I think that's much too far to me to go, just realize that those who are participants and those who are presenters are committed to coming very, very long distances, to come join together with a community of individuals who are all committed to figuring out what it takes to be able to restore full health, what it takes to be able to reverse symptoms that are currently associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. These are exciting times indeed. People are figuring it out. No, there's no one solution. No, there's no one way to reverse the symptoms. There are many convoluted and factors, many factors that are associated with a, a, a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. The key is to be able to identify the key factors that are relevant for you and then chase after those many options that are providing people with the relief that they're actually looking for. Parkinson's Recovery is the sole sponsor of the Parkinson's Recovery Summits, so you won't be going and with the intent that we're actually trying to sell one particular modality or another. That's not the idea of the summits. The idea is to provide people an opportunity to get to know all about the various options, to experience many of the options firsthand so that you can sort out which of the options are those that you need to pursue next. It can be a bit overwhelming because we now have identified over the past six years many, many, many different options that are making a difference to people. You can't do them all, so you have to make some choices. That's one of the main reasons why I decided to begin sponsoring the Parkinson's Recovery Summits, because the fact of the matter is it makes a big difference to be able to experience an option rather than simply hearing it discussed by a guest on my radio show. Many of you are listening today because you want to get the full scoop on what it is you need to do in order to be sure to protect any insurance rights that you might have. My guest today has all the answers, so I'm going to now turn to my pre-recorded interview with an amazing lawyer who has some truly valuable and helpful suggestions. I'm your host, Robert Rogers. My guest today is Glenn Cantor, who is a lawyer who represents individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Glenn Cantor is from Northridge, California. Glenn, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. My pleasure. Tell us all about yourself. Well, as you say, I'm a lawyer, and... I've been a lawyer for now about 25 years, and the first five years of my career, I was unfortunate enough to be employed by a law firm which represented the major health, life, and disability insurers in this country, defending against claims where people were trying to get their insurance claims paid. And after five years, I had so much trouble sleeping at night that I quit the job and opened up a law firm 
whose sole focus was to assist people in obtaining health, life, and disability insurance benefits. So while you say that, you know, that I represent people with Parkinson's who have problems, that is true, but that is just you know, one segment of the population. I have many clients with uh, MS, lupus, fibromyalgia, uh, HIV or AIDS, so we cover the spectrum of people with health problems. We, and as I say, we handle health where they cannot get uh, the needed treatment for their condition, disability where they are unable to work due to their illness and need legal assistance to obtain the benefits to which they're required, and sometimes life cases which are a whole different ballgame uh, and are not usually and would not really be relevant to I think this discussion. I have uh, my wife is my partner. We've been partners, both married and legally, uh, for over 20 years. And uh, she has her own area of practice, which is representing primarily women and girls who cannot get medical treatment for eating disorders. Uh, the firm has 10 lawyers who cover both the areas that we cover. They work for us. So that's pretty much what we do. We practice all over California. We have associates throughout the country. If somebody needs a lawyer in Florida or New York or Kansas, I can almost always help them find one. Uh, as uh, you and I discussed earlier, uh, my knowledge of the law in the United States in this area, I believe, is extensive. Step foot outside the United States, and I know nothing about foreign law. Then I'll practice in that area. What are some of the problems people with Parkinson's disease symptoms are facing as they attempt to receive insurance benefits? Well, uh, the different kinds of benefits, uh, we should discuss different kinds of problems. If they're trying to recover health insurance benefits, uh, the coverages these days are less and less um, encompassing carriers are trying to provide less coverage for more premiums. Uh, typically some of the problems will be a neurologist has a treatment which he believes to be effective, but the insurance carrier has decided it is experimental. They won't pay for it. Or it may be that someone has long-term care coverage and can no longer care for themselves, and they make a claim and the insurance carrier says, no, we believe that you're not sufficiently impaired to be entitled to benefits under your policy. Or if it's disability, somebody may be suffering the symptoms of Parkinson's and feel they're unable to continue to safely or effectively work at their job, but the insurance carrier will take the opposite view and deny benefits. We handle all of those kinds of claims. Explain for the audience, if you would, the Michael J. Fox effect. Well, okay, the Michael J. Fox effect is a subset of the Magic Johnson effect, which is actually a much bigger problem, in that many of our clients uh, have had HIV disease or AIDS for many years, and they're, they don't always look sick. Sometimes they have conditions such as wasting or cognitive problems with medications, and this is primarily a disability issue. The disability carriers will say, gee, look at Magic Johnson. He's got HIV. He's had it since 1992, and boy, isn't he doing great. So why can't you work? 
Well, the same thing to some extent is true with the Michael J. Fox situation, where you know obviously he's had Parkinson's for a number of years and has managed to continue his career. Well, going back to Magic Johnson, his disease is basically non-existent. He, he still has, I guess, traces of HIV. He's never had any effects from the illness. And that's a problem with disability because, once again, the carriers say, well, he looks perfectly healthy. Why aren't you? Michael J. Fox, I don't, I don't see that as a problem in that, especially disability. He, if you have watched him on television, he now plays one role. He plays that of an individual with a neurological condition. So he's pretty specialized. And people realize that even though he's a successful actor, he's limited to acting in those roles. He can't go back to his normal occupation. If he had a disability policy and he said, I can't work anymore, I don't think any disability carrier could in good conscience deny that claim. So I, I have not really come across what you would call the Michael J. Fox effect in dealing with insurance companies. Why exactly is this a problem now? Uh, can people expect that it'll get worse or better or stay the same? And, and why exactly? Well, I don't know that it's that big a problem. As I said, in my practice, I have never heard a carrier use that argument. They, what they will say to somebody, particularly in the disability area, is yes, we recognize you have Parkinson's, but your symptoms are not so severe that you're unable to perform your job. Now, as medical advancements are made, and hopefully there are medications and other treatments which lessen the side effects, carriers will be quick to say, great, we've made these advancements, and there's no reason why you're not working. So you can expect, you know, as long as the laws are the way they are, and as long as insurance carriers are the way they are, there will be fights to fight. Now, I really need to stop at this point, just for a second. Um, I've handled literally thousands of cases over my career, and they're always over the denial of insurance benefits. And I've been accused of unfairly defaming the insurance industry. And the reason for that primarily is that I only see denied claims. The carriers pay billions of dollars of claims without me seeing them. Nobody's ever walked into my office and said, you know what? Those SOBs paid my claim. Will you sue them? It just doesn't happen. I see the denied claims. So I'm seeing the worst of the industry. So I'm seeing the, sometimes I would hope is the aberration. Sometimes I'm seeing their normal practice of denying claims whenever they can. So in my area of law, I don't think the Michael J. Fox effect um, is a problem. I would almost turn it around and say that Michael J. Fox has made the courts more aware of the impact Parkinson's can have. So in some ways, that makes my job easier. What are the main problems with health or even disability insurance benefits? Well, most people who get their health or disability coverage get it through their employer. And with a limited number of exceptions, if there's a problem and they need to file a lawsuit, 
they are governed by a federal law which is known as ERISA, uh, E-R-I-S-A, which is an acronym for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. Uh, it was a law, as it said, passed in 1974, which was primarily intended to protect people's pensions. It was intended to avoid the Enrons of the world, where the, the employers were investing in themselves and then went bankrupt, and people's pensions were wiped out. The idea behind the law, I believe, was a good one. Unfortunately, uh, the law has also been deemed to encompass people's employee benefits. And somewhere along the way, the federal courts have interpreted the law in such a way that they've forgotten that the law was intended to protect employees. I practice in California. If somebody has insurance that is not governed by this federal law, which would be somebody who is either a government employee, somebody who works for a church, or somebody who purchased their coverage separate and apart from their employment, so it's not governed by the federal law, and their claim is denied for benefits in California, they can theoretically sue for millions of dollars for punitive damages, for emotional distress damages, for other kinds of damages. However, the courts have interpreted the congressionally passed ERISA law such that if you go to court, you have no right to a jury, you have no right to put on witnesses, you don't even have a right to be there. And most importantly, you have no right to obtain or even ask for what we call extra contractual damages. Under ERISA, the best you can ever get are the benefits that you were supposed to get in the first place. So it gives insurance companies a huge incentive to deny claims. Uh, my analogy is you know, somebody walks into a bank with a gun and robs the bank, and on the way out, there's a police officer standing there with a gun. And the police officer points to the, you know, the robber and says, go put that money back and then you go home and be a good boy. What's to stop the bank robber from coming back the next day? Nothing, because he's not going to be punished. In reality, of course, in society, if you get caught robbing a bank, you go to jail. In ERISA, if the insurance company gets caught improperly denying either a health claim or a disability claim, the punishment they receive is non-existent. All they have to do is do what they should have done in the first place, which is to pay the claim. So, if there's no sword hanging over their head, if there's no retribution or punishment, they have every incentive to deny every claim they possibly can. Uh, they would call it good business. I would call it insurance fraud. We'll be right back with lawyer Glenn Cantor after this short station break. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, from Parkinson's Recovery. I receive calls every week, and oftentimes a person says the following, I heard your radio show this week, and your guest was really very interesting. I understand they had the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, they had been diagnosed, and they reversed their symptoms. Do you really believe that all of that is true? Is that even possible? I can't begin to tell you the number of questions I've received just like that question. The following individuals have been guests on my radio show over the past several years, all of whom 
have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and all of whom have figured out ways to reverse those symptoms. Holly Hughes, Bianca Molay, Gord Summer, Judith Lynn, and Lexi. Some of those names, for those of you who listen regularly to the show, are going to sound familiar. Are these real people, or am I a ventriloquist? Well, the answer is they're real people, and they will actually be live and in person at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit offering workshops where they will detail for you, moment to moment, exactly what they've done to reverse their own symptoms. Come to the Parkinson's Recovery Summit 2013, Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. It's the opportunity of a lifetime for anyone currently experiencing neurological symptoms, anyone who is beginning to think, hmm, I wonder if it's really possible to reverse my symptoms. I wonder if there's really anybody out there who has actually accomplished this. Well, what better way to get an answer to that question than to come to the summit and meet people who are actually making it happen for themselves. Find out about the Parkinson's Recovery Summit and all of the detail of the workshops that will be presented by visiting the summit website. Go to our main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com. You'll see an easy link by clicking on the picture of the summit, and that'll take you to the summit website. You'll see detailed information about the content of each of the amazing 18 workshops that will be offered and the detailed information about the biographical background of all the presenters. As you will soon see when you visit that website, this is indeed an amazing group of individuals who are making a significant impact on the Parkinson's community that is, in fact, global. Now back to lawyer Glenn Cantor. Glenn Cantor, tell the listeners... What are some typical mistakes that individuals with Parkinson's disease symptoms make when dealing with their insurer? Well, there's lots of them. The first one that comes to mind is using the telephone. People should never speak to their insurance company, if at all possible, on the telephone. Communicate via email, fax, or the U.S. mail. The insurance carriers will often either misconstrue what you tell them, give you bad information, or at times they will deny receiving uh, information that you've given them. Uh, when you do communicate in writing, people should, uh, if they're going to mail something in, send it certified mail. If they're going to send an email, or a fax, they need to ask for a confirmation that has been received because the carriers, as I say, will often uh, contend they didn't receive information that they actually have. Other things they can do, uh, other mistakes that they make, and they're not even really dealing directly with their insurer, but they have impacts with their insurers, is that they are not completely honest with their doctor. Uh, people want to be heroes. They don't want to be complainers. They go into the doctor and the doctor say, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing okay, is a frequent answer. When the truth is, they're not. People have to be very honest with their doctor and tell them about their symptoms and their problems, side effects of medication, uh, things that they can't do anymore, um, all the problems that are occurring, so that 
when it is time to go out and disability and make a claim, that the doctor's records are complete and the doctor can point to the progression of someone's illness and say, look, at this person was diagnosed in 2004 and this person worked through their symptoms getting worse and worse until finally my patient and I agreed they could no longer work. This was not a sudden decision. This person is not looking to go on retirement and using Parkinson's as an excuse. This person would love to work but can't anymore. But in order for the doctor to tell the insurance company, he's got to have received that information from his patient. So be honest with your doctor whenever possible. Well, whenever possible, always be honest with your doctor. Explain, if you would, what is meant by employer-provided disability benefits. Well, many employers provide benefit packages. Uh, health insurance is one thing. Short-term or long-term disability benefits are something separate. And start with this is separate from Social Security disability. This is something that an employer will either self-fund it, they will tell you you have a plan. If you become disabled, you can apply for benefits from the plan, or they will provide you with coverage via the purchase of a group disability insurance policy from one of the country's insurance companies, whether it be Hartford, Prudential, Cigna, Aetna, Unum, there's many of them. But they will provide coverage for their employees by purchasing disability insurance. You uh, should be aware when you start working for a company about the benefits they're providing you. Sometimes carriers will give you, excuse me, employers will give employees the right to purchase disability benefits, meaning they don't automatically give it to you, but they make it available to you to purchase through the company. It's cheaper that way, and uh, people you know, have to make a decision for themselves whether they should avail themselves of that right. If somebody obviously has had any hint that they have Parkinson's, they should buy all the insurance that's available to them because down the road there's a possibility they'll need it. How can an employee know if these uh, disability benefits are available or not? Well, as I said, uh, employers are obligated to advise employees when they start working what benefits are available. However, people may have worked for an employer for 15 years and they don't know what they have. They'll probably know they have health insurance because they'll be making claims. But disability insurance only arises when somebody is too sick to work and they may have forgotten what benefits they have. But they can go to their HR department and ask in writing what benefits have been provided to them. If it's in writing and the employer fails to respond with the information within 30 days, the employer is subject to a $115 a day penalty. Uh, employers typically you know, have purchased this coverage for a reason. They want to protect their employees. So if you ask and they know you need it, they're going to tell you about it and they're going to help you make the claim. 
How come individuals who are currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease prepare before they take disability leave? Well, to go back, make sure that you're reporting to your doctor all of your symptoms. Um, other than that, uh, they should know the process. They should have discussed with their doctor whether he will support their claim. Uh, I've had clients whose doctor said, you know what, I think working is good. You should keep trying to work, not understanding that they're not really able to. If the doctor isn't supportive and you know it, you need to get a new doctor because, as I said before, people want to work. They don't want to stay home with disability, and if they've made the decision that they're unable to work, their doctor should be supportive of that decision. How can people with Parkinson's disease symptoms prepare for an appeal of a benefits denial? Very important question uh, and a very important answer. We talked about ERISA. The law provides that if somebody has put in a claim for benefits and the benefit claim is either denied or benefits are terminated at some point, the law provides that the insurance company must give the individual the opportunity to appeal the denial. Unfortunately, the courts have also said that when that opportunity to appeal is presented, it must be accepted or the individual is barred from filing a lawsuit. So before you even prepare for it, you have to know you have to do it. You can do it yourself, you can do it with a lawyer, your doctor can do it, your spouse can do it, but it must be done. The other thing people have to know is that when you do an appeal, it's important because only the information given to the insurance company or to the benefit plan as part of the appeal will be considered by a court down the road if that appeal is denied. So when you say prepare for an appeal, I guess what you're really asking is, what do you do as part of the appeal process? When a claim is denied, the uh, government regulations require that the insured be advised as to why it was denied, whether they weren't, the company wasn't given enough information as to their job duties or objective evidence of the disability or information from the doctor as to why he believed they couldn't perform their job. So what you need to do during the appeal is to think of all the different things that can be done in the way of presenting evidence to the insurance company as to why you're entitled to benefits. For example, uh, your supervisor may well have seen your problems at work. Uh, if you work on a computer, you may have seen your inability to compute anymore, to properly use a keyboard, to sit. He uh, can see the fatigue. There may be cognitive problems. And you know, often supervisors would prefer people go out in disability than attempt to work unsuccessfully. And your employers can be helpful in supporting your claim. Doctors, of course, uh, are a key. Um, there are things called functional capacity exams, which you can arrange, where someone will test your ability to perform tasks. 
If the tasks that are necessary to perform your job are something you can't do anymore, a functional capacity exam will show that. There's also vocational exams where a professional will look at your job duties, your training, and opine as to whether someone with the symptoms being, that are suffered will allow somebody to work in the job market. And those reports can be very convincing to a court when somebody says they're disabled and they can no longer work. So preparing for an appeal, not much. Doing the appeal, there's a lot to do. Uh, you can, as I said, you can do it yourself. You can get help. Uh, the law requires that either you or your representative can complete the appeal. So they can't say, no, we won't accept this from your child, your spouse, your parent, your uncle, your lawyer, your doctor. They have to accept it. But it's also important to know that you have to do it timely. The regulations uh, put up by the government require that you be given at least six months from the initial denial to submit your appeal. Some of the courts are very stringent, and if you submit it six months in a day, you will not only have lost your right to appeal, you will have lost your right to file a lawsuit. So it's also important to understand the time limitations and to make sure you are well within them. We'll be right back with lawyer Glenn Cantor after this short station break. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, from Parkinson's Recovery. Did you hear the radio show last week with acupuncturist Peter Doyle from New York City, who discussed the amazing results he's getting using Chinese scalp acupuncture on individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's? It's an amazing interview. I've received a number of inquiries, emails, and phone calls as a result of that specific show. Some individuals are frustrated because there are not that many individuals who happen to be trained in acupuncture who also know how to do Chinese scalp acupuncture. The list is actually pretty thin. And, of course, many people don't live in New York City. Well, the exciting announcement I have for everyone is today, you don't have to go to New York City to get a treatment from Peter Doyle. He actually will be one of the presenters at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico in February. Not only will he be a presenter, but like all of the other presenters, acupuncturist Peter Doyle will also be offering treatments to individuals. So if you're called to explore that option, this will give you an opportunity to experience what that's all about, to see if that's an option that for you is worth pursuing with any great intensity. I fully realize that many of the radio shows I sponsor guests who talk about amazing modalities that are having incredible impacts on people who currently experience neurolog neurological challenges. And I also fully realize that this has been frustrating for many people because the guests live in locations that are nowhere near you. That is why we're convening the summit, because these particular amazing individuals are coming all to the one place in Santa Fe, New Mexico. For example, 
the one physical therapist I know in the United States and across the globe who is having a huge impact on developing approaches and techniques for persons who have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease is Kevin Lockett from Hawaii. Kevin is actually going to be presenting at the summit. But not only that, he'll be there for the full time offering sessions privately to individuals who are interested in receiving physical therapy from somebody who has incredible experience with people with Parkinson's disease. Suzanne Jonas is well known as an individual who has created the CDs that people are listening to that are providing incredible relief. Dr. Jonas will be at the summit, not only giving a workshop, but providing individual consultations as well. Robert Bonham is an expert in biofeedback, and get this, he'll be bringing 10 of these new biofeedback devices that have just been developed for people to use at no cost throughout the entire summit. So if you're at the reception and you want to volunteer early, you'll be able to take one of these and have it throughout the entire summit so that you have a personal direct experience of what it's like to get this particular feedback. Does it help? Does it not help? You can find out for sure. A person who is internationally now recognized as a person who's made incredible impacts is Dr. Jacqueline Gisburn from Colorado. She does neurofeedback for people with Parkinson's disease. Dr. Gisburn will personally be at the Santa Fe Summit, and not only that, she'll be offering hour-long sessions herself. Now, she'll bring a staff as well, so you may not be able to get an individual session with her, but if you sign up early, you will be able to actually not only attend her workshop, but get an individual session with her. Sherry Edwards, many of you know, is the leader internationally in developing bioacoustic technology. Sherry Edwards will be offering a workshop and also offering individual sessions for persons who want to sign up. You don't have to go to Ohio. You don't have to go to Colorado. You don't have to go to Tennessee. You don't have to go to Hawaii. All of these individuals will all convene together in one location February 21st through 24th in Santa Fe, New Mexico. John O'Dyer has become really an expert in ways that you can get emotional releases. He'll be providing consultations as well, as well as a workshop. I had an amazing interview on my radio show several months ago with Dr. Larry Wilson. One of his associates, Chris will actually be providing a workshop and information about how you can get your own nutritional balancing assessment. The Foot Whisperer, Randy Eady from Florida, will be at the summit and will be offering his incredible presentation of how you can get incredible relief through your feet in terms of getting relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. I also will be providing a workshop that helps people identify entanglements in family systems that may be actually impeding your recovery. These are called family constellation workshops. So it's an amazing group of individuals. We all come from various states and countries across the globe, but we're all convening in the very one place. 
giving you an opportunity to not only attend the workshop, have some direct experience with what we do there, but also get some individual consultations and our treatments from these amazing individuals who are making a true impact on the Parkinson's community and are convincing everyone that, yes, it is indeed possible to reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. To sign up for the summit, and I suggest you sign up now and be sure to register for a hotel room before it fills up. They have limited rooms for the time we'll actually be convening our summit together at the La Fonda Hotel in historic Santa Fe, New Mexico. Be sure to sign up for both now, and you can do that by going to the Summit website. The link is on the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com, or call our toll-free number, 877-526-4646, and we'll get you set for your tuition registration. The tuition is only $200 per person for that amazing four days. I think I can promise you it'll be the best investment you've made in years. And now back to lawyer Glenn Cantor. Glenn Cantor, what happens when someone has to sue for benefits? Well, it depends upon the law that governs their insurance or their employer-provided benefits. If it's governed by ERISA that we discussed earlier, they will hire a lawyer who will file a lawsuit in federal court. Uh, the court will then set dates for what it will call a trial, but it's really not a trial. What the court is obligated to do is to review all of the evidence in the insurance company's file and decide whether or not the court is of the belief that the person is entitled to benefits. It is not a long, drawn-out process. It is almost always done within 12 months of filing a lawsuit. It is not stressful for the client other than waiting to see the results. Uh, it does not involve depositions. It does not involve the uh, client appearing for trial. It's basically all done by the lawyer, the lawyer for the insurance company, and the judge. That is different than if the claim is governed by state law, in which case it's quite possible you'll have a full, drawn-out jury trial, which uh, can be more stressful but is also more, uh, often more financially successful for the client. How much does it cost to hire a lawyer to help with an insurance denial? Well, there's two ways to do it primarily. One is to pay a lawyer by the hour. Um, different parts of the country, lawyers charge different hourly rates, and it depends on what it is the lawyer is going to do for you. To handle the appeal will almost always cost less than to file a lawsuit. Uh, for the appeal, the lawyer can be advising you on what to do, and you can do it yourself. You can charge, you can charge for the hour to advise you. Uh, personally, I do it for free. If somebody needs advice on how to do their own appeal, I feel you know, obligated and morally obligated to help them, and I do that whenever I can. If they want me to do the appeal for them, we give them the option of hiring us by the hour or working on what we call a contingency, where if we win, 
we take a certain percentage of the benefits that we obtain for them. And there is no set percentage. It depends on how much the person is suing for, how old the person is, uh, how strong their case is. There's just a variety of uh, variables that go into deciding what an individual lawyer might charge you to handle either an initial claim, an appeal of a denial, or a lawsuit. You should always talk to more lawyer, uh, more than one lawyer to, one, make sure you're comfortable with the lawyer that you hire, and two, make sure you're not being overcharged. How long does it take to resolve a benefits dispute with an insurance company? Well, there is no number. I've had them resolve within two weeks. I've had them take three years when a case ended up going uh, up on appeal to uh, the Court of Appeals. So there's no number. On average, an appeal will take probably two months for, if I were doing it, for my firm to gather the information and then submit it to the insurance company. The insurance company then has three months maximum to decide it. So if it's resolved on appeal, somewhere between one and a half to three and a half months. If the appeal is denied and litigation ensues, uh, in my experience, six to eight months, it's typically resolved. Once again, though, if it goes all the way to trial, and very few cases do, most are resolved via settlement. But if it does go to trial and the insurance company wins, the plaintiff's lawyer will often file an appeal. If the insurance company loses, that is less likely to happen. But an appeal can be a very lengthy process. Uh, in California, which is uh, one of the busiest courts in the country, an appeal can take two years. What can a plaintiff expect to receive after a case is resolved? Well, when we're talking about Parkinson's uh, clients, uh, in my view, they can expect to receive everything to which they're entitled. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've handled thousands of these cases. I've probably handled five or six Parkinson's cases, and I've never settled one. I've won everyone because the denials have always been outrageous. And the lawyers representing the insurance companies typically recognize this and rectify the problem. In a few instances when they haven't, uh, we've gone to trial and won. I, now, I don't tell most of my clients that. I tell most of my clients that their case is, you know, there's a, there's a black, there's a white, but most of the cases are gray. And unless they're willing to risk everything, they're going to expect to compromise and resolve their case uh, via settlement. Uh, I don't tell people with Parkinson's that because in a disability context, uh, when someone has Parkinson's, it's a disease that's it's unfortunate, it's horrible, that they have to fight. They should not have to be fighting with their insurance company, and I think the judges agree with that. So uh, I would hopefully will say that someone with Parkinson's, if they're fighting a disability carrier, they have a very, very strong chance of winning. If they're fighting a health carrier, 
I'd have to know what it is they're fighting about. If they have a request for a treatment that is truly experimental, and I, I'm not going to give any examples, but something that is just not accepted by the medical community, then it may be a tough row. Even though Parkinson's is a very tough disease, the courts are not going to require insurance companies to pay for what they would consider to be an experimental condition uh, treatment. So every case is different. There is no generic expectation. And, you know, we tell our clients that their cases are individualized, and we'll discuss what they should expect based on the facts of their case and what they're seeking. Which people who have Parkinson's disease symptoms look for when they are seeking a lawyer to help resolve their dispute? They should look for a lawyer who has a particular expertise in dealing in this area of the law. In the same way that a pregnant woman would not go to a dermatologist to deliver her baby, someone with Parkinson's should not go to a lawyer whose specialty is real estate, whose specialty is divorce, uh, estates, wills. They should go to a lawyer who specializes in health and disability problems. This is the area of, this is the age of specialization. Um, and I tell folks, you want to get divorced, go see somebody else. You want a will drawn up, go see somebody else. If you've got a fight with a disability company or a health insurance company, you've come to the right place. So the first thing they should do is make sure the lawyer they're talking to has experience in the area. Then they should do some investigation to find out how good the lawyer is. Obviously, some are better than others. There are methods where they can see the lawyer's successes. Uh, with in the computer age and the internet, it's not hard to go on to legal websites and see if the lawyer is actually trying cases and winning them. And those are two different things. Uh, in order to maximize your recovery in litigation, the insurance company has to be convinced that the lawyer is prepared to go to trial. Some lawyers basically are there to settle cases. And that isn't a bad thing in that many cases will settle, but they'll only settle for maximum value if the carrier knows that if they don't pay the appropriate amount for settlement, that the lawyer will say, we're not settling, we will see you in court. So that people should find a way to make sure that the lawyer is actually trying cases. Uh, they can ask for references from other insureds that are presented. I have any number of clients who'd be happy to hopefully say very good things about me. Um, and if a lawyer doesn't have somebody who will give them references, and I, and when I say references, I mean by former clients, that I would look elsewhere. How can people get in touch with you, Glenn Cantor? Well, as I said, the Internet has made things much easier. If you get in touch with me, they can call my law office in Northridge. The phone number is 818-886-2525, and there are people here who are happy to talk to them and answer their questions, and if appropriate, to discuss uh, re retention. We can be found on the Internet at www.cantorlaw.net. That's K-A-N-T-O-R. LAW.net, or they can email me personally, and I answer all emails at 
gcantor at cantorlaw.net. Uh, I respond to all questions. Uh, I would have to say, though, from somebody from outside of the United States, I'm not going to be able to give advice. Somebody inside the United States, I'm happy to do everything I can. And if I can't personally help you, I can almost certainly direct you to an attorney in your geographical area who can. So are you saying somebody from Kansas, let's say, or New York might be able to contact you, and although you're in California, you might be able to make a recommendation of somebody where they live who could help? That's absolutely correct. Having done this uh, for 25 years, uh, I'm familiar, um, I, I know very well uh, lawyers in probably 35 states who are experts at what they do, who I'd be happy to recommend and comfortable recommend to somebody. The email again is gcantor, K-A-N-T-O-R, at cantorlaw.net. That's K-A-N-T-O-R-L-A-W dot net, dot N-E-T. So if a person sends an email, you'll actually get that and be able to respond to that, as I understand it. That is correct. Is there anything else you'd like to be sure to tell people who are confronting challenges with dealing with their insurance companies? Don't put them off. Deal with them as quickly as you can. Make your claim timely. If it's denied, deal with it immediately. Contact a lawyer to find out your options. Uh, don't wait until the last minute because you'll hamstring the lawyer. And for God's sake, don't just drop it thinking that you can't fight. That's what the insurance companies hope will happen, that they hope they can deny claims and claimants will just go away. When that happens, the insurance companies win and individuals lose. This information I know, Glenn, will be invaluable to many listeners who are confronting just these challenges. On behalf of the audience, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to answer all of these very detailed questions. My pleasure. Are you interested in finding ways to get relief from whatever symptoms you might be currently experiencing that are neurological in character? Come to the 2013 Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe. You will get an amazing preview of many, many different options that are doing just that, that are helping people reverse the symptoms that they currently experience. We've received extensive feedback on the summits that we have held thus far, the one in Cincinnati this past summer and the one in Vancouver. The feedback is the workshops have been absolutely amazing. The summits deliver 100 times more than what people actually expected, which was already set at a high standard. And finally, what people most appreciate is being able to meet other individuals who are remarkable in their own right. We then list, of course, on the summit website all of the presenters, their bios, the content of their workshops, et cetera, et cetera, and you can be certainly impressed by all of that information. The truth of the matter is that people also find incredible value in talking with others who actually attend the summit. About half of the individuals who attend could also offer their own workshops. 
So it's an incredible opportunity to become a part of a community of individuals who are making a difference in their lives, in the lives of their families, and in the lives of the individuals who they know who currently experience the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Join us at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. It's Santa Fe, a beautiful place to visit, make it a vacation, but also Focus your attention on getting there and getting well, for that's what Parkinson's recovery is all about. For information on the summit, call Long Distance, 877-526-4646. Visit the website. Go to the main website first, www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. C-O-M. You'll see a link to the website from the main page on that main Parkinson's Recovery website. And you'll see a listing posted as of today of all of the specifics that we'll be offering at the 2013 Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It will be, in fact, an amazing event that will transform the lives of all of those who participate either as workshop presenters or as people who are simply participants. I look forward to connecting with all of you who are going to be joining us at the summit. I remind you also, if you've already signed up, to be sure and register at the hotel. Rooms are still available, but you'll need to register for a room now. No need to pay any money right now, but you do need to call and put your name in to reserve a reservation for the time of the summit. Be sure to tell them your Parkinson's recovery to get the discount rate. And, folks, I'm Robert Rogers, your host from Parkinson's Recovery in Olympia, Washington, and that's what's happening on the shores of, you guessed it, the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all of the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio program today, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week. We look forward to connecting with you here on the radio show one week from today. Goodbye.